And afterward, for whatever reason, they let fans onto the field. Oh, wow. And so we go down to the field on the artificial turf and walking around. And so it probably made me feel a little better than I would have otherwise after Arkansas had lost. Yeah. And there's a bunch of fans on the field. And I'm wearing this big, red, ugly hog hat and very proudly. And then all of a sudden I wasn't wearing it because <laughs> somebody had taken it and run to the other side of the field. And it was, a you know, on college-age kids from Alabama. And my dad ran the kid down. Are you serious? And got it back. And <laughs> that is not a big, big deal to him, but it's a big, big deal yeah. to me. So my that. dad rescued my hog hat. And it's one of those father and son moments that yeah. you always remember. Hello and welcome to Equip, the ministry of Trinity Baptist Church in Norman, helping you engage our culture with the truths of the gospel in every area of life. Here, I'm our student pastor, Curtis Winkle, here with Ryan Polk. Hey, Ryan. Hey. And we our special guest today, writer for USA Today, and you're on the sports animal occasionally. This is George Schroeder, also a Trinity member. Hey, George. Hey, how are you guys? Doing great. Doing great. How long have you been here, George, at Trinity? That's always a complicated question. <laughs> Six years in this iteration, and we were uh, here for seven years and then moved away for six years. So we feel like we've been here for 13, I guess. Yeah, okay. Cumulative altogether. So, uh, George, tell us a little bit about what you do. What's your what's your job like? I cover college football for USA Today. So it is, uh, it's largely a fun job, but uh, not always, obviously. And they, we have two national college football writers. I'm one of those two. And we, uh, we basically, that's what we do. We cover college football, which extends also to sort of the business of college sports because football drives the train for the athletic departments. And, uh, so I, you know, I, I cover big games, small games. I, uh, look for good stories, and if news is breaking, we sometimes try to break it or confirm it, and often we try to react to it and kind of um, give you an opinion about what it means. Mm. That's a real nutshell version of what I do. But yeah, so are you are you in terms of like the breaking stuff? Are you kind of always on call, always having to pay attention to things, or no? Yeah, I mean it's not quite like that, but something close. Yeah, um, I, I'll I'll just tell you that sort of from August to mid-January, it's the kind of job where I don't actually know what my days off are. Yeah. I mean, I literally don't know what they are yeah. because there really um, aren't any that you can just sort of stake out because something's always happening. But even this time of year, and you know, we're recording this in July, the uh, uh, you can edit that out if you need to. <laughs> even this time of year, if you know, typically it's bad news if it sort of breaks this time of year. You have to sort of be somewhat on call to to be ready to react uh, if something happens. It, you know, I, I think about a couple of years ago here um, when in June, Bob Stoops retired. And had I actually been in the country, I, I would have been on call. Yeah. But uh, I was in Guatemala and that made it <laughs> a little less likely that I could do much, much yeah. work uh, at that mm -hmm. point. But those kinds of events yeah. happen and you have to be ready to react. Yeah. That had to be a little, was that a little stressful? Did you get a text message or how did you find out? I did. I got several text messages. <laughs> you're and you're out sharing the gospel. And there's not much you can do. It's just like, well, hey guys, huh. you know where I am. Uh, <laughs> so. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was, oh, some of those text messages were from his associate pastor yeah. who was wanting uh, inside information. Right. Not understanding why he didn't have it just because he's in Guatemala. I just ignored those. <laughs> responded in Spanish. Um, so, George, you cover college football. Um, so is there a seasonality, obviously? That's kind of what you're getting at with your work. Like, what, what's the rest of the year like? Well, I mean, from, uh, you know, I said August, really from mid-July when conference media days start yeah. to until four or five days after the, the national title game, so mid-January. It's that's the season for me, even though it's really it doesn't start till you know late August or September. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after that, there's a little bit of downtime for four to six weeks with with not as much going on. And then the basketball tournament starts, and I don't do much basketball other than when March hits. It's sort of all hands on deck for mm-hmm. us, and so I'll end up following the basketball tournament uh, from this site to this site to the Final Four most years. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, it slows down just a little bit. But the, all the conferences have spring meetings, annual spring meetings. And there are various things like that that you go to where you can um, see what issues they're discussing and trying to to determine how they want to change things. Uh, but you can also it's also more than that. A lot of times they're not trying to expand like mm-hmm. the Big 12 wanted to do a couple years ago or was considering or they're not talking about some giant change to what they do. But you can. It's a good time to get with coaches. It's a good time to get with athletic directors and conference commissioners. Mm-hmm. And so you find yourself um, going from place to place, going to these conference meetings. And then you go also go to you know different places during spring football time or even beyond that just to, to write about whatever the next story is about this football program or that football program. So mm-hmm. it slows down after football season or other than football season and other than the NCAA basketball tournament, but it really doesn't get really slow until probably June. Yeah. And then it, it comes to a, a, you know, something close to a halt. Yeah. And I'm very glad when that happens. Yeah. Um, and then Stoops retires. <laughs> right. Yeah. Unless Stoops retires. So right. I'm hoping you can help me out with something, George. So, so, so many athletes after the game's mm-hmm. over, they say, uh, you know, God was on my side. I want to thank God. So I just want to settle that for us. Who's, whose side is God on? Is it, is it whichever team? side your team that you're, you're cheering for? He's is on it, that is side. it Tebow? It's Tebow's side. <laughs> that is true. No, I. But you. What do you, you make of that comment? Well, the problem is that both teams prayed the Lord's prayer before, beforehand. So it's right. hard to pick, right? right. Um, I don't know. I don't think as many athletes talk about God being on their team's side as we think they do. That's sort of a common thing that I think probably. Uh, people who are hostile to the entire idea of there being a God Uh and certainly there being a Christian God, they don't like it at all. And they sort of take whatever an athlete says and they make it as though that athlete has been praying for his team to win and Mm -hmm. that God picks sides. I don't know that that happens as often as we think it does. Mm -hmm. Um, I also don't know that I think that those comments always reflect uh, a growing and vibrant true faith in Christ. But um, I always look at those things and I think that's a guy I want to pay attention to. Yeah. And, and I'd like to know more about what his life is really like. Yeah. Um, so how, so how do you deal with um, cliches? Is that a challenge for your job when you get, man, we just give 110%, everybody pulling the same rope, all that stuff. 
Yeah. I mean, you just named, you have a couple of them and, and endless variations. And, you know, I almost responded with a cliche just now. It is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> You're just used to it. And uh, take it one game at a time. So that's where you want to have these sort of opportunities when you can to get with a, with a person and you can really kind of uh, talk with them in a more a less formal setting and yeah. maybe ask them different kinds of questions. And it's one of the good things about my job is often I get to do that in those off season visits to a campus or something like that. But even then you still hear that kind of stuff yeah. after a game or during game week in the season, whether it's a coach or a player, you know, you get a lot of that. Yeah. How do you deal with it? First of all, um, I try not to use those quotes. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't say I don't use them, right. but I try yeah. not to use them. Yeah. And you have to try to ask better questions. Sometimes that doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do you deal with them? You just, you know, they're coming and you dutifully write them down <laughs> or not. And we've got a shorthand for them. It is what it is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, We'll pivot to, to kind of talking a little bit about um, how this how sports and Christianity relate, George. So we'll just fire off some questions at you and see see what you think. So, first of all, just culturally, I mean, sports are are a big deal for especially here in America. And so, why do you think? Um, I mean, people follow it with a, a religious zeal almost. So why do you think our culture is so uh, enthralled with sports? Uh, it becomes kind of kind of a shared identity, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a tribal thing. Uh, I think especially in the South, and, and I guess I would include Oklahoma in this case in the South, uh, it, it becomes, uh, it, it's a way to sort of be take, take pride in your in your region and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, I grew up in Arkansas and um, we get regularly made fun of for a lot of things and some of them are, are deserved. <laughs> but you know, the, the Razorbacks are a rallying cry or were, mm-hmm. were, were for me as a kid, but certainly are for Arkansans. Mm-hmm. It's it's a badge of defiance mm-hmm. to the whole hillbilly, shoeless type of thing. And I think especially in the South, you see that a lot um, with whatever the local team is. Um, it's fun. It's, it's the idea of winning and beating somebody else. I mean, there's so much wrapped up in there, I think. But why are we so passionate about it? I also think maybe it's a substitute for for other things you could or would or should be passionate about, probably. But I think it starts with just the idea of place yeah. and wanting to have pride in your place and wanting other people to know how good your place is. And yeah. so the substitute is that team that goes out and beats other teams right. or, or not. You always think they're going to beat them. So you've been doing this for, what, 25 years? Uh, yeah, I started when I was an eight-year-old cub reporter. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, about 25 years, a little longer than that, actually. Um, started when I was still in school, started working at the Little Rock newspaper, the Arkansas Democrat, which soon became the Arkansas Democrat Gazette as it absorbed the other newspaper, mm-hmm. the competitor, and uh, have been doing it ever since. What are some, so in that 25 years, I would assume college sports in particular has changed a lot. What are some changes that you've seen and you know, are those good? Or are they bad? Or what do you think about that? Well, TV uh, it has really changed the game. And you know, when I started, ESPN was well on its way to televising, you know, all the college football games. Mm-hmm. But but it wasn't like it is now. 
uh, and the TV money has changed the game tremendously. Uh, there is so much more money in the sport than there used to be, specifically talking about college football, that it has um, you know, inflated salaries of coaches. It's inflated the uh, budgets of the schools. Mm -hmm. It's fueled the building booms for the not so much even the stadiums, but sort of the amenities that the players have that they use to you know, mm -hmm. entice recruits. And all of that money has led to sort of a change. I think there's been so much money and Davos Swinney makes $9 million a year and Lincoln Riley makes whatever it is now, $6 million a year. And there's so much money in it that when your assistant coach are making $2 million a year, then the public at large suddenly thinks we used to like this ideal of amateur athletes and now we think they should be paid. And I think a lot of people have sort of turned to that. And it's largely because the money is so much that it's hard to sort of justify mm. the idea that this coach makes this kind of money and the athlete supposedly is not getting any compensation at all. He is, or she is, mm. they're getting a $500,000 education mm. probably, mm. but we, we pretend like that doesn't matter sometimes. Um, so I think that's the biggest change is the, the sheer amount of money and then how that has changed the public's perception about what college athletics should be. So one of the reasons we wanted to kind of get this podcast going and do it with members of Trinity who are serving in various different careers and vocations was for them to kind of talk about how faith and work integrate a little bit. And so one of the questions I have for you along those lines is we kind of know in today's modern media, if you will, that, uh, scandal conspiracy some of those things are are the kind of the big sellers you know that's what seems to be driving a lot of it how does that work for a christian um to where is there pressure for you to find those stories or if you know about something and it's going to personally damage someone how do you how do you balance those things that's a good question and it's not something i've contemplated as much as i should have probably through the years um you know the goal of our goal is to get news and break news, but um, I've never been a guy who's been just out to find scandal. It's when you learn about it, um, then, and, and typically we're talking about breaking NCAA rules or things like that in my specific case. When you learn about it, uh, then I think it's incumbent to try to, to try to dig into it and report it and and expose it. Quite frankly, in this case, they have broken rules that they agreed to to play by, um, whether it's coaches or players or whatever. And so I've never really had any kind of an ethical dilemma in as long as I go about it the right way in trying to dig and get that news and break it. And if it causes sort of collateral damage to someone, that's not my goal. And I think you have to be sensitive and, and careful how you do that. Mm -hmm. But they're, they're the guys who broke the rules in the first place. Uh, I don't know if that's a good answer. Um, yeah. I've always just tried to do my job uh, and, and haven't always succeeded, but I've always tried to do my job ethically and honestly and fairly and sensitively. Uh, and, and also understanding that I, that I have to adhere and I want to adhere to a higher standard than whatever the newspaper standard is, because I, I need to, um, to be a witness for Christ. And I need to certainly uh, not bring uh, any kind of uh, shame to Christ or to, to, uh, to his name. Hmm. 
Do you interact with fans very much, George? I mean, not as much as I used to. Yeah. Uh, some. Uh, when I was, uh, you know, I, I used to cover Oklahoma football for the Oklahoman. Mm-hmm. And then I went, when, when we moved out to Oregon, I was the columnist at the newspaper in Eugene. Yeah. And in both of those roles, you interact with fans a lot more, especially when you're the columnist. Uh, and at that point, you get to know fans in a lot of ways. <laughs> I don't, because now I sort of have a 30,000 foot view of sort of college football and and you sort of drop in here and write about some team and you drop in over there and you write about some team. I don't, it doesn't feel like I, I interact with fans nearly as much. Are, are you a fan? Can you be a fan or no? I'm not. I, I grew up an Arkansas fan. Um, I still have a really large, very ugly, original plastic red hog hat that my dad gave me. Um, You're wearing it today? I am, of course, <laughs> not wearing it today. But um, I'm not. I'm not. You you sort of get it beaten out of you a little bit. <laughs> oh, no. You're not supposed to be a fan. Mm-hmm. And then you sort of see how the sausage gets made, too, and that sort of takes a little bit out of you. And it probably helps when you move to another part of the country where you don't have any ties and you didn't grow up. I didn't grow up in Oklahoma or an Oklahoma State fan. So when when we moved to Norman, I didn't care. Um had I become the, uh, had I started covering the Arkansas football beat for the Little Rock paper a year or two before that, which was a possibility, that might have been a little more difficult yeah. to not be a fan. Although I was well on my way to trying not to be one. Although it's gotten much easier not to be an Arkansas fan, hasn't it? From here. <laughs> yeah, but, it's, but being a fan is not about whether they win or not. Yeah. Being a fan is just something that sort of happens. I mean, I grew up and... Among the first things I learned were that hogs smell good. <laughs> My and family's from Arkansas. I have a little uh, placard uh, that says that. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's true. Hogs smell good. That's a real thing. Yeah. Wow. Well, a, I don't think it's real. I just think it's it's yeah, a real thing for them. Yeah. You of that. yeah. Um, okay. So, from your, we, so we're in Norman, we're in College Town. We have a few, I think, fans here who, who care about uh, college football. So, from your unbiased, perspective what are uh, some ways fandom can be done well and some ways that maybe not not so well especially from a christian perspective how do we handle i think across the south especially and it's probably unfair to just talk about the south but there is a uh, people sometimes care so much about college football or college sports that it can kind of be consuming and it's easy to see that, and uh, and and I think you have to question: Is that the thing I think about all the time? Mm. Is that the thing that's most important in my life? And you know, this is easy for us to say, but you know, we evangelize uh, the stuff we care about, right. and if that's all we're talking about at work or in the halls or with our buddies, or you know, uh, I like it when people listen to sports talk radio because I that sort of is one of the you know, one of the ways I get to, to do things is sports talk radio, but I recognize that, man, there are better ways we could spend our time sometimes. So I think sometimes I, um, and I would be right there with, with everybody if I didn't have this job. So, you know, I mean, uh, I would be that guy who would have to sort of constantly check myself and not be about, wow, I've, I've gotten this out of balance, but I think we get it to where it becomes way more important than it should be. Yeah. And, and when we find ourselves not liking some other person 
because they like the other team. And we do see that sometimes. I don't, I don't I'm not speaking specifically at Trinity. Uh, I'm not speaking specifically of somebody I know. I am speaking of uh, fan bases in general uh, that I know of around here and around the South. And it's like, you know, first of all, there might, it might be another, a fellow believer in, in Jesus, or it might be somebody who needs Jesus. Right. And yet you're an Alabama fan and you don't like them because they like Auburn. It's like, what is wrong with us yeah. when that's the case? Yeah. And so it's easier to pick on them than it is to pick on OU and OSU, right? So I'll, I'll do that. But I think yeah. that happens with us, those of us who live here too. Yeah, I remember. Uh, so I came over, I was in college during the Stoops, uh, his first few years. And so, man, we, uh, you know, my sophomore year, we we won the national championship and it was just, everybody's over the moon, right? And, and um, subsequently, we didn't win the national championship. And, and so I remember every year, just, I, I was so, so passionate about the team and so excited and got to go to some of the games and so on. And, and, uh, but I started being like, it would ruin my day if we lost, you know, and of course that was back in BCS days. So it was, it was, you lose a game, you're done, you know, and, and, uh, or so we thought. And so, um, I started becoming over the years as I matured a little bit too, but just thankful for when we lost because it, it wrecked my false hopes that this team would like put me in a good mood for the rest of the year. And, mm-hmm. and I think it did that for a lot of, you know, people I knew as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I sensed that big time. So we can, we can thank Curtis George that everyone just turned their podcast off now when he talked about being thankful for OU losing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you gotta be a Cubs fan. It, tra- it trains you to uh, handle losing. Some of the Oklahoma state fans turned up the volume at that point. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's no, it's, it's, uh, I mean, I grew up, there's a vibe when the team that is sort of the dominant team in an area wins, there's a vibe that you can feel on a Sunday mm-hmm. if they won or they lost. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that's a good thing yeah. in either no. direction. We definitely feel, feel it. it on Sunday. Hmm. I mean, I've, you know, if, uh, if OU loses and it rains on the next Sunday, you can pretty much predict what the uh, attendance and offering will be like on the following Sunday. It's kind of crazy. So, hey, a big issue right now, George, is this idea, and you travel and you know work from stadiums every every week during the college football year. But what's your take on this uh, on students or on stadiums starting to sell alcohol even uh, at games? I know a lot of it's a kind of an been a controversial topic around here and stuff. What's your take on that? I'm disappointed. I mean. I, I, I'm not surprised, I guess, but I'm disappointed. And uh, I have friends who uh, we have argued about this back and forth about how it won't make any difference at all. And uh, some of them would say, well, you'll cut down on binge drinking outside the stadium. And I don't actually think that's true. I think you're still going to have people that drink a lot and then maybe they'll drink more. Uh, you'll stop the person from slipping the flask of whiskey in to the boot and bringing it in. I don't think that's true either because those folks aren't going to be drinking beer. Probably they want to drink the flask of whiskey. So, but even if all that's true, I think it, you know, we're talking specifically about college sports. Mm -hmm. Even if all of that is true and there won't be any adverse sort of tangible effect, there's an intangible coarsening, I think, of the atmosphere inside the stadiums that is going to occur. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how you uh, quantify it, but I think that if you look at what it's like now, 
or what it's been like and you look, we look five or ten years at a stadium that has gone wholesale into uh, selling you know alcohol in the stadium we'll note a difference and it won't be quite the same family atmosphere and that's part of what's been different about college sports versus pro sports so I think there'll be a coarsening which you know kind of mimics our culture in a lot of ways I guess yeah, it's interesting um, all right George soccer the beautiful game or communist game? Yes. I, I think both. <laughs> I, I thought this was a podcast about sports. Right. Um, uh, I, I'm okay with soccer. Uh, I like I like it, especially when it's World Cup, nation versus nation. I, I will not say nation v. nation. I also will <laughs> not say uh, the United States have. So what I don't like about soccer. We call it football. Um, when I'm in, in Central in, in America, Guatemala. I yeah, call it football. Right. Uh, but I, I, I don't like what I don't like is how it can't just sort of grow on its own in America with American tradition, fan traditions. So I have a friend who is a uh, uh, huge fan of the Portland Timbers of Major yeah. League Soccer, and they have the Timbers Army Fan Club, which you know dominates one. See, this was one end zone, whatever they call behind the goal, right? Yeah. See, that tells you all you need to know. I'm yeah. talking about American football. And what I don't like is how they have the, the TIFOs. Those are the big banners that they put up. Okay. And they all have to sing. And they all kind of have decided we're going to adopt what uh, European fans do, what British fans largely do. We're going to adopt that. And that's great. But, I mean, at a certain point, can't you just be a fan? The game is the same. Can't you just sort of be a fan the way American fans are? So I don't like that part of uh -huh. it. Um, but I do like soccer. It is fun to watch. I am not going to watch uh, your random Major League Soccer match. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. Uh, World, Cup. World Cup. World um, Cup. Some of the lesser um, regional tournaments, yeah. like the Gold Cup that was on recently, yeah. I can watch that. And yeah. I do enjoy it. But... Yeah, it's, it's sweeping the country, and it's not swept me up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ryan, it's it swept you up. It is. I can see it on your I, face. I'm not quite sure it's sweeping the country. <laughs> every uh, four years, it's sweeping the country. Every, every, every four years. I think up until that point, I think there's tens of fans at most of those games. But Well, I think I, I bring up soccer to mostly to aggravate Ryan, but also because I think um, there's something to uh, – it's called the beautiful game and there's something to sports, you know, uh, uh, that, that is beautiful. And so I think there's a way in which, you know, we think about arts we think about, um, you know, music and we tend to tend to separate that, I think from, from sport. But in my mind, man, these are all signposts that can point, you know, if we, if we do them rightly, mm -hmm. if we think about them rightly, they're signposts to the beauty, you know, found in God. And so I think, you know, as we think about trying to root for teams or, or be fans or, or play, you know, or coach, what, you know, how, how do we how do we do that well in a way that that honors God? But also, again, like I, I think it's we think it's perfectly fine, right, for people to enjoy sport. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Playing or watching. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm glad you guys think that since of my entire career. <laughs> <laughs> we just we just decided I, I'm with I'm with Curtis on all that, with the exception of soccer being a beautiful sport. Yeah. Yeah, everything else was right on. You know, I think one other area we haven't touched on a whole lot is is kind of just the the stage that sport is for 
I mean, so much about the human condition to play out from, I mean, there's a strong like justice thread, right? Where you're like, people are mad at the referees all the time. Uh, people are mad at, um, you know, you got, you got, when we touched on some NCAA violations, you got PEDs, you got suspensions, you got domestic issues, you got uh, one of the best players in the NBA leaving the Thunder after being up three to one on the Golden State Warriors to the Warriors. So, I mean, there's these issues that just stir up a lot mm -hmm. of like, that's unfair, that's unethical, that shouldn't be done. I think there's a lot there that, um, you know, Christians can speak into in some ways. And, and I don't know the exact way other than Durant was wrong. Other than that, I don't know exactly how to use wisdom in that area. But yeah, I mean, I, you know, you, you mentioned a lot of different things. Yeah. There. I mean, I think the first thing is it's it's us as individuals and how are we approaching sports? So, um, you know, are, are we in balance if we're fans? Are we? Are we trying to make sure that our emotions are, are, you know, proper? And and then are we reacting the right way, regardless of what happens? And so there's that. I mean, I, I could go so many, so many different ways with that answer, but I, I would think also if you participate in sports, you know, what is your ultimate goal? And then what do you do to get there? And do you uh, do, you do those things for the right reasons in the right way. That's another piece of it. Yeah. I mean, I look at sports as a participant um, and I think, you know, it in so many ways it mimics sort of in the Christian life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, you have to have the, the you want to achieve excellence. Um, if you're doing it for the right reasons, you want to achieve excellence to bring glory to God. But um, in order to get there, it's a lot of hard work. Mm -hmm every day and discipline and then there's a way you can do things along the way that's either right or wrong yeah. and there's a way you can play the game that's right or wrong yeah. and quite often we play part of the game right and part of the game wrong mm -hmm. and you know and, and so we're, we're always making mistakes and so, i mean just yeah. i don't know I, I i haven't answered your question yeah. but that's the participation part of it and so it it mimics the discipline that you need to 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 try to follow jesus Then, then every single interaction you have on Twitter is, uh, and I'm speaking, you know, only of that right now. But everything, but everything you do on Twitter is going to be scrutinized, and it should be. And so, I try to, and I don't always succeed. I try to make doubly sure that I'm really careful what I say, or post, or write, or whatever else on Twitter or anywhere else. And when it comes to doing the radio, that's a real tightrope every time you get on it because when you start to talking, you can sort of um, get rolling and say things that you shouldn't say. Mm. And maybe it's stuff that's actually coming out of your heart, which mm. is an indication of, of time to go home and <laughs> repent, yeah. right? But, yeah. but I, I think, you know, Proverbs has a lot to say about people who talk a lot. And I've actually thought about that. Um, as it relates to being on the radio for two or three or four hours at a time, yeah. how do you, you know, what is the deal? How do you do that as a Christian? And so I just say, Lord, set a guard over my lips. And um, yeah. 
sometimes sometimes I succeed. <laughs> and so I again I don't know that I've answered that question well, yeah. but I just I want to I want to follow Christ and I think that should play out in every single area of of my life and that certainly the career is is a big piece of of life for us and 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 that's part of it. It's a ministry. So I know. saw a stat the other day and yours is a little bit different than this, but I was talking about if a certain, if a person came to Christ and they were at church, you know, every Sunday and they lived kind of an average span of life, they would be at church, something like between three to 4,000 hours of their life, but at work between 50 and 70,000 hours of their life. And right. so sometimes we flip that and put all our effort and emphasis on what happens here mm-hmm. and neglect the career vocation part, and yet that's going to be one of the greatest influences in time, uh, investments of time. So that's a that's a great word that you gave us on that. Well, can, and I'd like to say this too. The other piece of it is there are people that I meet and get to know, uh, and this is true for all of us in our job. It just looks different because our jobs are different. That you know, it's one thing to talk about the vast amount of people that maybe run across something on social media. Mm-hmm. It's another thing, the people that you actually know or get to know. And so they need to see someone who's following Christ. Um, And so, you know, I have friends who are other national reporters for outlets that I run across once a week during the football season. And we go to dinner together and things like that. Well, do my interactions with them point them to Christ? Because they know that I claim him. Yeah. Um, And am I ready with the defense, if the if if the conversation goes the wrong way, you know, what's the wise thing to do in this situation? And those are always questions that I have. Yeah. Um, you know, am I willing to be bold and not worry about what they think about me if I just if I just you know tell them the gospel? And those are things that I sort of run across fairly regularly, and it's just always an interesting thing. And then the one other piece of it is. Where's the line when you're just doing an interview with somebody and they've allowed you to come in to do an interview, but it's, you know, it's on this sort of specific sort of sports or life thing. It's not really supposed to be about sharing. Mm -hmm. And every so often, uh, and I don't know the answer to that. I think it varies by person and time, but ever so often there's a opportunity where they, if they actually are interested in my life, which typically means, some of the struggles that we've had with our son, Christopher, yeah. when he was a little bitty guy medically, mm-hmm. then that opens a door sometimes. Yeah. And so it's like, will I walk through that door if it opens? So long story short, there's so many ways that I want to and need to uh, uh, be a witness and have a witness. That's helpful, George. Thank you. Yeah. So, so uh, summarize you know, kind of what all we're saying, I just jotted down a couple of things. So one, if, you, if, if you're a fan coming at it from a fan's perspective, make sure if your enthusiasm for the Sooners is a 10, that your enthusiasm for, for Jesus is, is 11, right? Um, mm-hmm. Keep, keep you that in check and, and keep the, the first things first. Um, if you're a sports writer, if you're a plumber, if you're a, a businessman, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God and, mm-hmm. and think through, Think through intentionally what you're saying, where you're going, the words you're using, and look for opportunities to share the gospel. And then, and then, you know, getting back to this, the fandom thing, man, it's a, 
so many people are into this thing. So many people watch sports, listen to sports. It's a great opportunity, I think, to to make friendships. It's a great common interest you can have, whether they're believers or not, right? Absolutely. That's a great idea. Inroads for the gospel. So have people over to watch games. Easy, easy, easy first step to relationship and building those with non-believers. So you guys have anything else? That's great, George. We're thankful that God has you where he has you. Yep. And uh, appreciate your faithfulness in that. Any resources we want to point people towards? Well, I'd be interested to know if George has any that he would recommend, not just from the spiritual, just like good resources or books about sports, but also anything that would encapsulate this from a spiritual standpoint. You mean other than go buy USA Today's? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, look, you have a book sitting there on the desk by David Prince called In the Arena, which, uh, you know, I think it distilled, when I read that, it distilled a lot of things that I think I believed, but they were all sort of vague thoughts in my head. And then there were some things that it was like, Oh wow, that's great. It makes me think. And he, he does a nice job of explaining sort of the proper perspective of sports with uh, Christian life. And I think that's a, uh, I, I, I love that book. I think it's yeah. a tremendous book. I'd recommend it to anybody who loves sports, wants to participate in sports, has kids who are going to participate in sports because sports does teach a lot of character lessons. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, but I think that's a terrific resource. I would, I would, I, I've been looking at that since I've been watching, you know, since we've been in this podcast, thinking that's a terrific book. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. Um, just, it's, you know, it's, 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 I wouldn't, I wouldn't even go anywhere further than that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the subtitle of that book is The Promise of Sports for Christian Discipleship. Really good read. We'll, we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. So two things to purchase. USA Today's as many as you can, and then and then second David right. Prince's. They're now two dollars on the newsstand, which makes it a little more difficult. So, but uh, no, I just uh, I'm thankful for the opportunity and thankful you guys are doing this, and and hopefully, hopefully, you know, people see Christ in in these podcasts and yeah. and in sort of our various vocations. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, George. Thanks, Ryan. Yep. Yeah.